Hello, and welcome to And Let's Be Heard for Friday, June 16th, 2023. I'm Mike Kachapoli. All right. How's everyone doing tonight? How's everyone doing on this uh, Friday night? Saturday morning, depending where you are. Actually, I'm in New York City, so technically it is now exactly the beginning of Saturday. It's midnight, Saturday morning. But, 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 it, uh, depending on where you are, <clears throat> it will, it could be Friday night, right? Yeah, it could be Friday night. So, I guess we're all, depending where you are, Friday night, Saturday morning. And if you're having a good Friday night, that's a good thing. Because here in New York City, people are seemingly getting a little bit back to normal. Not totally. You know, it's, it's, it, on one hand, you ride the subway, as I was riding the subway earlier tonight on a Friday night, and you're looking around, and, you know, there are not many people wearing masks. Very few people are wearing masks. But um, once in a while, you'll see someone wearing a mask. And at one point, a guy came on, looked like a young black guy, and he was wearing um, a gas mask, goggles and a shield, and like a bubble over his head. And I thought, oh, my goodness, this is just the sickness, the incredible sickness. And I took a little video of it. If you want to go on my Twitter at, at Kachapoli Mike on Twitter, you'll see my little video. He, he got off the train. I thought he'd be on the train longer, but he, he came on, then he, he got right off. So, but, and what I was thinking is, you know, this, um, COVID thing with the masking, it really showed us who is crazy. You could actually see who's nuts right before that. You couldn't see who was nuts. Now we could actually see who's nuts, right? So it's, uh, it's you know, it, it's an interesting phenomenon that we could actually see who's nuts. Karthik, have some patience. The show just started. Let me just do my little monologue. My goodness, the young generation has absolutely no patience these days. Um, but maybe... Karthik wants to talk to us about movies. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But, yeah, it, it really, you know, the, the masking thing showed that we could see, and now especially, it might have been a little difficult early on to see who's nuts. But if you're still wearing masks now, and if you're certainly if you're wearing goggles, a, uh, a gas mask, you know, like those, look, looks like an ant face, a huge ant face gas mask, and a bubble around your head, you know, you're crazy. Right. But these people would not have worn this before COVID. Right. I never saw anyone doing that before COVID. Right. So now we can actually see who the crazy people are, who to stay away from. And uh, it's, it's quite a thing. It really is. I, I talking about movies. I think I think Karthik and some other people will get this reference. But the movie They Live, John Carpenter's They Live with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Right. You could put on those glasses and see who the aliens were right so you could tell the difference between the humans and the aliens by putting on those goggles 
And now you can really see who the crazy people are. Who the And remember, this hypochondria didn't just start in March or April of 2020. You, people didn't just become hypochondriacs, but it enhanced the hypochondria. The COVID fear and hysteria enhanced the hypochondria, you see. So it, it, uh, it exacerbated the hypochondria. So these people were always crazy, but COVID really, really brought it out of them in a very public way, where before the hypochondria was probably private between them and their shrink. Not the case anymore. And that's maybe one good thing about the masking in a way, right? It's like you can now see who the nutty people are and the people you need to stay away from. But I shouldn't take this one guy and say the whole city's like that. I only saw maybe one or two masks on the entire train. I was on during rush hour. There might have been one or two percent masked on the entire train. So that's certainly, I mean, every six months, one year that I come here, it gets exponentially better. And I'm guessing six months, hopefully, although flu season, who knows what's going to happen, but it's gotten a lot better. So most people are back to normal here as far as that's concerned. So I can at least say that much. Um, there's some other stuff I want to talk about, and uh, I'll get into it in a second. But I'll put Karthik on because I know what Karthik's going to do is he's going to ask what I'm talking about. So we can talk about it, uh, you know, like uh, together. Hey, Karthik, how are you? Uh, what's up, Mike? Uh, to be honest, I don't really care about what you're talking about today. I just want to talk about movies. Asshole. <laughs> no, no, that's actually true. I'm not just saying that to make you mad. Like, I, I just wanted to talk about movies today, um, to be honest, because it's Friday, you know? Um, it's Friday in some places, and here in New York, the East Coast, it's now Saturday morning. Oh, I thought so, you were in Florida. What happened? Oh, I came up to New York to see my uh, uh, father for Father's Day, Day weekend. Yeah, oh, Father's your dad Day. lives in New York? Yeah, Brooklyn. Is yeah. he, like, half dead? What? <laughs> well, you're old, you know, so I can only imagine... Oh, how- he's, only, he's only 81. Not that old. Okay, I don't know what you consider old, but... Well, there's an 81-year-old who's president of the United States of America. Well, dude, nobody denies that Joe Biden's not old. Well, but he's, like, uni- he's a president of the United States of America. Okay, dude, I, I said, let's not keep it political today. Let's talk about Are you president of the United States of America? No. Is there a 35-year-old that's president of the United States of America? No. Only like narcissists and criminals can be president. Not no. Uh, you can you can be young, but you got to be like in uh, another country, like France or Canada, thing. right? Yeah. But like, look, Karthik, um, you'll agree with me on this. Young people who run countries can be assholes too, right? Yeah, yeah like right. Uh, uh, Jacinda Ardern of uh, Finland. Not well, I was thinking. John. Why are you talking? What did you pick out Finland of all places? Is he yeah. an asshole? Well, no. Do you not know who? Uh, no, not uh, Jacinda Ardern. She was the uh, New Zealand person. But fuck, I forgot her name. She was actually super hot. But no. So there was this uh, new F- uh, Finland prime minister. She was prime minister for the last four years. She was actually thirty-four when she got. Ah. Um, but she just lost her election like a, a month ago or something. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, but yeah, she was thirty-four. She, she was in office for like thirty-four. Or, Maybe yeah. even thirty-three to thirty-seven. I was thinking like Lost Macron, people. Macron or Trudeau. I was no. thinking that. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, Trudeau. I think was like forty something when he got into office, like forty-four or something. 
Right, that's uh, DeSantis's age. He's 44. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Mike, uh, I just saw The Flash, man. You got to see it. The one with Ezra, Cl- Ezra Miller? Okay, Ezra definitely not Ezra Klein. Ezra, Ezra Klein is Klein. definitely would that, be, would that be not a hilarious movie? Ezra Klein in now, a superhero uh, movie? Is, is he at Vox? Doesn't he work at Vox? Or something? Let's do it. Let's do Ezra Klein in no, a superhero no, I mean, movie. I know that obviously there's been lots of controversies and crimes, you know, committed by Ezra Miller. I'm not denying that. Yes, and you know, and he did plead guilty, so he is. Uh, Wait, what did Ezra Miller do? What did he do? Uh, that would take too long to answer, but no, he just committed lots of. Uh, you know, some minor crimes and some definitely not my, not like, I, like, I think he like, like one of the things he did was like, was he like, uh, broke into like some person's house and like stole their liquor or something? I don't know. Um, oh. and then, like he's, uh, and, and which, you know, he did plead guilty to that I forgot the exact charge, but he did plead guilty to it. And then he's been accused of uh, grooming this like teenage girl. And obviously, you know, that hasn't been proven in court, but, um, but he was uh, accused of that. And I think he like he got into a fight with somebody in Hawaii too, or something. So you know, lots of uh, various things. Um, he looks a bit, he looks like this? a douche, but he's a good actor. You know. So. Did you not hear about all of the crimes? Not really. I, I heard there were like I heard he was like a a bad boy, like a bad boy, no, bad he, Hollywood he boy. Did plead guilty yeah. to the stealing of that uh, beer or whatever. So that, that 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 is an open and shut case. But the other ones. Um, it's just accusations so far. Okay, but how was the Flash? It was good. Um, okay, I'll be. Uh, do you like Michael Keaton as Batman? Of course. Okay, I don't, but he he's in it, so I, you should see it at least for him. But no, I think Ezra Miller is fantastic in the Flash, man. Like he's been the Flash before, mm. but I think he this was his really time to shine. Like, um, so he plays two characters. Like he plays. Uh, have you seen the trailer for the Flash? Um, I've seen the trailer a million and a half times for the Flash. Yeah. Okay, so you know the you know the rough idea. Yes, he plays two characters, his current self and like a younger version of himself. And dude, like you, like I believed it the entire time that he was playing two characters, or like the two characters were different. Let's say, hmm. um, yeah, he was really good um, playing like the uh, yeah. And so like um, okay, I I, I don't I, I don't want to spoil it too much or at all. I, I'm not going to give any spoilers. But um, uh, oh, somebody trash talking us. That's yeah, this David, he always does. He's a loser, you know. Loser. That's okay. <laughs> Doesn't have the balls to come on and talk, but that's you know. Okay, David. Um, but no, I think the movie was uh really good, Mike. Like it's like I I guess because I feel like this movie actually has a message, unlike most movies. But it's kind of like. It's just kind of telling people, hey, if you're, you know, if you're, it's, if it's uh, tough to get over something, whether it's a trauma or whatever, you know, you just have to find a way to move on and you can't uh, dwell on the past too much, you know, and what you've been through in life, you know, regardless of what it is, it, it, um, try to use it to uh, make you stronger, you know, don't uh, dwell on your mistakes or regrets. Oh, so it's a superhero movie with a message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely has a message for sure. And and um, okay, I think the CG is horrible. Like, I don't know why, because this movie was in production for more than two years. Yeah, so, some of it's great, but like a lot of like I I think Warner Brothers just wanted to save money because because a lot of their movies recently have been lo- losing a shit ton of money, like Shazam and you know some other movies too. Yeah, uh, like uh, 
Black Adam lost money. Uh, Shazam, you know, other movies too. But so I'm guessing that's why the uh, CG sucks. But um, and so I'm not, I'm not gonna say who the villain is. Okay. Did you go away, Classic? What happened? Hello. Classic just fell off or something. I don't know what that was. I'm sure he'll be back. <clears throat> I'm sure he'll be back. Uh, CR, what's going on? Hey, CR, what's up? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Um, I'm alive. <laughs> that's good. Hey, that's a good thing. In, in, in this fucking capitalist hellscape, that's about as good as one can hope for these days. Capitalist hellscape, is it? Oh, yeah, 100%. But um, in terms of the, the, the Flash, the Flash was always like, you know, it was always definitely cool. And, 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 and I think that DC you know what I mean, has largely had a lot of really kind of cool characters that are kind of, um, <clears throat> they definitely are obviously the standard, like, you know, superhero tropes, but they kind of were a little more nuanced. That's always kind of the one thing I liked about DC. And I'm kind, right. of, bummed. I'm kind of bummed that a lot with, that they they seem to be kind of chasing Marvel. Wouldn't, wouldn't you agree? They're, they're kind of chasing the Marvel format when like- I'm not, an, I, I, I wish I could tell you I was an expert with the, you know, the, uh, the, the, supervillain movies and stuff and the superhero movies. But I do know there's that big battle, right, between DC and Marvel, right? Yeah. You have the DC fans, you have the Marvel fans. So what is – which one has been more successful in general? Well, obviously Marvel's made all of it, obviously most, most of the money. But I'm just saying like in the sense that like DC had an opportunity – even if you don't know anything about the two different franchises, you can say for sure – I think we can all say for sure that like – DC didn't really offer us an alternative vision from the Marvel Studio universe. I see what you're saying. Okay. Obviously, I'm making kind of a stupid, obvious. No, I understand. When I was listening to you and talking, I was just kind of like, I'm so bummed, man, because I obviously I like, you know, I like Stan Lee. You know, I, I, you know, I like some of the characters out of the Marvel universe. I I also love DC Mm-hmm. Uh, comics too and stuff like that you know what I mean but I've largely just been disappointed by all of the movies from all of the studios for me like you know what I mean just at, at, at 40 you know disclosure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean so I'm old enough to have actually read the comics not that old obviously yeah but, uh, you know what I mean I was old enough to have some of these these comics and stuff like that before and, and actually read them you know with the paper in my fucking hand which apparently kids today don't even can't even fucking fathom you know, right. turning the page of a thing. Turning the page of a comic book. Wow. <laughs> or a page of anything other than swiping, because for them it's it's swiping left on Tinder, it's swiping left on their on their on their ebook. You know what I mean? Like on what does it matter? Like whether it's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everything for them is swiping. Their whole life is fucking swiping. And I'm going like, there was a time when we used to have, actually have to turn the page, basically. <laughs> And that was – how about the days of turning the page of a newspaper? Remember those? 100%. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the, the, to them, the, 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 the tactile sense of like having something in your hand. We can argue, we can argue uh, you know, from here till dawn uh, about like what that actually means. But we can also agree that there is something to the tactile sense of things, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I remember even turning the – like when I talk about a newspaper, getting the uh, ink – on your fingers. There's a whole generation that doesn't even understand what that is. How do you get ink on your fingers? 
from going on social media, you know, <laughs> you know, it's like just that feeling of, you know, and people love that. They love getting the newspaper delivered, right? Um, eating their breakfast, drinking a cup of coffee while they turn the pages of a newspaper. That's gone anyways. And, and, and it's peaceful in a sense that's you're detached from, you, you know, you get, you get to kind of live like an Amish life. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. Let's be honest. Why has the Amish culture thrived for so long, right? For so many hundreds of years, because there has to be something to it. It doesn't, it doesn't vibe with you and me, obviously that's not us, but it it has to vibe with some sense of humanity. So when I question that and I don't like just immediately reject it because it's something that I, I I don't vibe with, I go, Hmm. well, there has to be something there, right? And what their thing is there is a, a, a past in my just blind, stupid, you know, don't know any better uh, assessment. I, I imagine there has to be some connection to the real, to the tactile, because their whole life is tactile. It is. That's true. Their whole life is tactile. You know, and, you know, look, we talk about money. You talk about capitalism. I mean, look, these studios run on that, right? They're about making money. And if they make money, if a franchise makes money, they'll continue the franchise, right? And they'll usually play it out. I mean, to the point where it's like it's ad nauseum, and you're like, "Look, enough of this!" But they just they rake in the money with a lot of these franchises. I mean, that's what they care about, bottom line wise, right? I mean, this obviously the filmmakers and the actors care about the creative process and making good art, but the movie studios care about the bottom line. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why they moved to China, because they saw yeah. a big market, and they don't give a fuck. They'll let the Chinese censors come in and look over their shoulders and actually literally censor the films. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? This is you're, you're in America. You're making the movie in America. Why the fuck are you letting some other country look over your shoulder and literally help you fucking write the script? Like, what the fuck? What, what planet are we on? Like, you know what I mean? Like, but that's the capitalism thing there. They don't give a fuck. They go, we're willing to deal with these things that we profess to be against in our own country. We'll gladly walk, walk along with it in another country if it means a better dollar for us. You yeah. know I mean, that's the, kind of, that's, the, that, that's the kind of corrupt, essential kind of, uh, 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 um, what are you, you talking about? What, what's the best way to say it? Like the, the eventual outgrowth of unfettered capitalism. You know what I mean? And sure. That's, that's, that's the kind of bummer that we're at. Like China has obviously lifted a fucking a lot of people out of poverty. You know what I mean? They, they, they have some economic models there, but then we disagree with their censorship. We disagree with these other kind of things, right? And then, but also we disagree here in our country where capitalism seems to be have these, make, makes billionaires and millionaires left and right, but yet we have this huge uh, um, homeless population we have a large amount of people living hand to mouth. Forty percent of our country cannot handle a five hundred dollar emergency expense, nope. right? So, so, so there's a problem there. So when people tell me like capitalism is is the right way, communism is the right way, and I say I, I don't see either one really at the end of the day mm. serving what I'm looking at, which is I want to help the worker, the the, the average man. Mm. You know what I mean? And and I think that movies used to kind of like kind of be more tailored towards that. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like when you're when you're watching Top Gun or or, or or Predator or fucking something like that. You know what I mean? That that that's a that's a working man's kind of movie. Any any average individual, any average Joe can go to a movie like that. And like nowadays, it's like movies are just like soaked in all this kind of woke, you know, battle back and forth. You know, PC politics. <clears throat> you know what? 
CR, I thought I had a, I, I just thought that movies would get maybe less woke, that people would get artists would get tired of that stuff, right? But now they seem to be making even more woke movies. Because they're you know? they're, getting away, they're getting away from the worker. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. back when, when you had like a movie like Rocky, you know what I mean? Like why did Rocky Rocky was made on a small budget? It was made by a guy who had never written a movie in his life, Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. right? He was a first-time yep. writer. It, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He, it was on a low budget, but why did it resonate with everybody? Because they were like, "This is something I could kind of like." Can, it makes sense. It makes sense in the in the world of <laughs> possible. You know what I mean? I, I yeah. Late, you know, but but not. But, I'm not fucking Italian. I'm fucking. But, in- <laughs> you know what I mean? but at the same time, I could still relate to the thing. So it's not about race. It's not about yeah. any that kind of bullshit where people go like, "Oh, because you're Italian, so you're related to the movie." No, I'm not. I'm a West Coast guy, so I'm not even East Coast. And I'm fucking mm. Mexican, not Italian. But at the same time, I could relate to Rocky movies because it was a fucking working man. It was a working dude trying to fucking figure it out. You know what I mean? And like nowadays, everything else is is just soaked in PC politics. And, and so many of my favorite movies were like, you know, a, a, a broke kids, like a, a Stand By Me, mm-hmm. the Goonies. Stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know what I mean? These, these weren't rich. Kids. There was stuff, you know what I mean? There, were, it was just, it was just regular fucking kids. It was just regular dudes. You know what I mean? That's and true. And then you have like, if you go even further back, right into the seventies, they made so many movies about real issues, right? Like, wait, Norma Ray, right? About unions and what was it the China syndrome? About the meltdown of the nuclear plants? I mean, there was some really good stuff. Really good stuff. Network. We talk, you know, Bill and I talk about network all the time. You know, those movies are few and far between now. In the 70s, they were churning out many of them every year, several of them every year, you know, and that's gone. And look at even Rocky, man. Okay, the first Rocky, like you say, the whole thing is an underdog story. Stallone, the character. But then that became a money-making franchise, right? Of course, it, it cap, capitalism. You know what I mean. The, the you know what I mean. The, 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 the that natural outgrowth of that's going to say that like, let's or entrepreneurism. Let's say let's let's ignore that word. It's definitely going to kind of take that. And I mean that happens in music. That happens in art. That happens in television. We we know that. But the thing is, I'm saying is that there's very little focus now these mm. days on. Uh, you know, like think about like a movie. Like here's a here's a random movie that just popped into my mind. Groundhog's Day. Mm-hmm. Groundhog's Day has no special effects in it. Nope. Right? It has no racial element to it. It has no, you know, crazy social thing to it. It's about a guy dealing with his own karma, in more or less. Mm-hmm. You know, simplify it, right? But it's a great movie that everybody loves. Democrat, Republican, Independent, Libertarian. We all love it. We love Bill Murray. It's a silly movie. We all have fun in it, right? And everybody kind of reads a little bit different stuff into what it actually really means, right? But nobody at the end of the day is sitting there fucking arguing on Reddit about what fucking Groundhog's Day means. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's like now today, every fucking movie that comes out, we have to fucking turn into keyboard warriors against each other. And right. Like, where's, where's However, the- Groundhog Day does have a real message to it, which is learning by failure, right? Getting better. By doing things uh, differently and real and, and learning from your past failures. I mean, that's part of what Groundhog Day is all about, right? I mean, as as he does the same thing over and over again, he becomes a better person as he sees 
how he can change and adjust and, and get different outcomes. So there is a real great message in Groundhog Day. I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I thought it was just a brilliantly developed script. And Bill Murray's probably his best performance. I don't, I don't even think it's arguable that's his you know, best performance. And he makes that whole transition actually work. It doesn't seem, it, it's not one of those, you know, maudlin kind of turnarounds. As, he, he, as his character develops, Murray's such a good actor that he makes it believable that this guy is actually learning and becoming a better person. There's a bad version of that movie. Do you remember <laughs> that terrible movie regarding Henry, where Harrison Ford is this real, like, asshole executive and he gets shot in his in, in the head and he becomes a better person. <laughs> I mean, that thing was just so fucking idiotic, but, but Groundhog Day was a, was a really good movie, you know, totally, on many levels. Anybody else could read into it without politics. They could oh, no, no, it wasn't really political. It's more about being a better human being, right? The story that you just told could be gotten across politics. Nowadays, it's like every time everybody watches a movie, they go like, hmm, what does this mean through my personal political lens or my party? And that's the thing that bums me out. It's like there could be movies that because actually Groundhog's Day is a Buddhist movie and it's about reincarnation because uh, uh, um, the guy that wrote it, you know, what's his name from uh, um, uh, um, Ghostbusters? God damn it. Why am I blanking? Ramis. Harold Ramis. Harold Ramis. Yeah. Harold yeah. Ramis wrote it. He was a Buddhist. And that was the funny thing I learned about later was that the, the whole movie is actually an allegory for buddhism and the reincarnation and dealing with your karma interesting nice thing and that, what I, I was like oh that makes a lot of sense but yeah. i never understood that as a kid and nobody else that i ever grew up with ever thought that at all but we connected to that movie in a different way and we found other messages in it that never we never imagined that it was buddhist and it has one of my favorite character actors, Stephen Tobolowsky. I love Stephen Tobolowsky. I mean, that guy had such incredible range. I mean, he could play goofy characters like that guy in Groundhog Day. And then he can play like that horrible, like KKK racist in Mississippi Burning. He was he's a really good character actor. Really good. Yeah. I just miss, I miss movies like that where they they could still have messages smuggled into them, but at the same time, we still found universality in them and we all could kind of tap into them and love them together because I wasn't a Buddhist. You're not a Buddhist, but we all love fucking Groundhog Day. Yeah. Right. No, I'm not a Buddhist at all. In fact, I didn't get the Buddhist message, but makes sense, yeah, you know. But isn't that wonderful? That's that was that was the kind of absurdity that I was kind of getting at. Is that like I missed that where we could just connect to each other on like a, some type of human level, where even though the message might get missed, mm -hmm. people still love it. Like all, obviously, all my family members that I know, they, you know, they're all Christian and stuff like that. And when they they would never, if I actually sat down and explained the Buddhist thing to them, they might actually like the movie less. Unfortunately, so I, you know, why bother? Just, yes. we'll, we'll, you know, we'll watch the movie, you know, and, and, and enjoy it all together whenever, like around Christmas or whatever that it comes around. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so I'll see The Flash, you know, and then I'll, I'll be able to talk more about it. But uh, I'll probably get back to doing some film reviews next next Friday night. But, uh, you know, I, once again, I'm not a huge superhero fan, you know, but I'll see them sometimes. And I usually enjoy them, you know, sometimes not.
But, uh, you know, the Batman thing is interesting, right? Because it went through so many different incarnations, right? It went through so many different directors, different visions, right? You have Tim Burton's vision. Then you had Joel Schumacher's vision. Then Christopher Nolan's vision. So many different visions. Some are dark. Some are more comical. Then you had all the different actors. And everyone has their favorite and their least favorite. The Batman franchise is just incredible. Who's your favorite Batman? Well, obviously, obviously, Michael Keaton is my, and that's why when I saw that he was the, he was that he was the Batman in the Flash, I was like, damn it, I wasn't going to watch the movie, but damn it, now I got to because I love Michael Keaton. Yeah, I love him to death. You know what I mean? Because yeah. that's that's from my age. You know what I mean? That's around like when I was a kid when that first movie came out. I was you know I was a very little young and, and right. And, and so so I I I love I love that. And, but at the same time, you're right. Also, the Nolan version, which is a whole other different vision of it. Like I like those kind of ones too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like I like his his movies too as well. So I don't know. For me, at the, at this point, I I've kind of realized that you know uh, uh, um as being like a nerd like an old school nerd you know that used to fight like between like star wars or star trek better you know yeah, well, for so many it. hours at this point i'm kind of like okay i i am so toxic if i actually get into an argument with somebody about it it's yeah. not worth it's not the juice is not worth the squeeze so most of the time i just kind of let everybody have their things and and yeah. as and as a consequence of kind of being more chill about it and not being such a fucking nerd about it. I've actually opened up to liking movies that I didn't think I would. Yeah. No, I'm, 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 you know, I understand totally, you know, but um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? Nope. Uh, just, uh, okay. I saw you guys were popping in and talking about that kind of stuff. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm an old school fucking comic book nerd. I'll chime in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. CR. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. And I think Karthik got cut off, so we'll hold on. Let me see here. Let me see. This is gonna work. No, wait a minute. Sorry, CRs. I, I, I actually, I got. I'm doing this on a new phone today. Oh, there it is. Okay, Karthik. Oh, man, my right. uh, my phone died. Uh, oh, there's actually a uh, uh, nice el- kind of an element of Groundhog Day in the Flash. At the end. That's all I'm gonna say. Sagan. Well, I can't spoil it. I'm not, I, all I said was oh, there's like a Groundhog Day kind of homage. I don't know if it's an homage, but there's an element of the Groundhog. Oh, Day. an element. It's, okay. Yeah, okay. because because a big part of the movie is time travel. Ah, okay. 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 But um, but no, I think like I said, the message is really interesting. It's about um, just trying to say that hey, you know, despite what you might have gone through, just you know, you, you, you just try to use it to help yourself, you know, and try to move on the best you can. Because if you keep, you know speculating and wondering or trying to, you know, change what happened. It's just going to make things worse. Right. Right. Yeah. So I should see the flash. Well, obviously that's the most important thing. So we talk right. about, no, no, but no, there's the movie, the movie. I think the movie is very good. Um, I think the CG is not great at times and I can't. Karthik's having phone problems. I try to understand because I'm actually using an, a new phone because the Wi-Fi is is very weak where I am. So I'm using my 5G and I'm using a different phone. It's a whole big rigmarole. If you want to come back on, Karthik, that's fine. Um, Karthik, you there? You back with us? You back amongst living? Uh, let's see. Yeah, right. We went from the Flash to Groundhog Day. 
and uh, Bill. All right, maybe we'll get Bill on. Bill next. Hey, Bill. How's it going, Bill? Hey, Mike. Can you hear me okay? Absolutely. All right. Well, what I got from Groundhog Day was at the very end, it's all about brotherly love. Once he learned that, then he got the girl, and his life became wonderful. Everything well, before that was... Yeah, it's almost like well, it's almost like once he was just himself, right? And wasn't this? It's almost like his character was playing this character, right? This this marmy weatherman, this caddy weatherman, right? And a very jaded, right? Very jaded guy. And uh, it's almost as though. And remember, so the whole if you haven't seen, I'm sure everyone's seen Groundhog Day, but. Uh, Andy McDowell wasn't she really big for a long time? Yeah. Like she was in everything <laughs> for a while. Yeah. Andy McDowell is like a, a woman who's in these town he's in. He's covering the he's a weatherman covering the Groundhog Day event, which he finds, of course, very idiotic because <laughs> he's a big city like like Pennsylvania. I think it's Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. You know, weatherman, and he has to go to the the boondocks, and he doesn't really want to go, and you know, and. Uh, he likes her though, and what he once he realizes he's in this loop, right? He says, "Oh, like he tries to scheme, right? Like in, sure. in the one day he'll he'll find out what she loves, and the next day when it's totally new to her but not to him, he mentions it as though yeah. it's a you know coincidence, right. but it's not. So he's trying to play her right. in order to get her, and that wears out after a while. But then he just kind of like uh, I guess just." realizes that he just has to be himself and he doesn't have to always be playing somebody, you know, he doesn't always have to be one step ahead of everyone. And eventually she comes to uh, love him, right? They fall in love. So it's, it's really, I, I always thought it was a movie about mistakes and learning from mistakes. I mean, that's what I got out of it really, you know, that at first you don't succeed, try and try again. And he's given this gift of being able to have so many different attempts, right? That it finally just, he gets it right, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I always liked, but I, once again, it works because he's such a good actor that you believe the transition. It doesn't seem forced, right? Or pedantic. And, you know, that's, uh, you know, just Bill Murray, you know? Yeah. By the way, I don't, I don't mean to put a dower, but Bill Murray is in a little bit of trouble these days, huh? There are some women, by the way, who say he's acts like his character from Groundhog Day before the transition, where he's kind of a pain in the ass and, and a kind of a, you know, uh, like a, a madman type character on the set, kind of sexual innuendos and making women feel uncomfortable. And I don't know how much of it's true. It, it seems as though Murray has said that he's accepted that he comes from a different time and things were done differently you know, 40 years ago, and he has to learn. So, you know, how, once again, how much of it is real and how much of it is woke nonsense? I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I remember, um, and I'm sorry, Bill, I'll let you get to what you wanted to talk about, but I remember an interview between Morgan Freeman and a, a, a beautiful woman who was interviewing him. Do you remember? Did you ever see that where they were playing no. that? They were trying to cancel Morgan Freeman. It was about a window of about a f four months where they were trying to cancel Morgan Freeman a few years ago. And they were showing interviews where he would sit down with a, a 
beautiful female interviewer and he say something like, oh, that's a beautiful dress you have on. You look really nice in that dress. And people began to insinuate that this was sexual harassment. But he's Morgan Freeman. He's like an older black guy. So <laughs> I'm sure where he came from when he was growing up, like in the 60s and 70s, that was a normal thing. Hey, baby, you look good today. You look good in that dress. You look very sexy in that dress. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't like I'm going to rape you, you know? It was just the way he was. And I remember they were trying to cancel Morgan Freeman, of all people. It just gets a little out of hand sometimes, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I, I, we often talk about, you know, at the extreme also, is like Mel Brooks movies that you can never make today, you know, or Archie Bunker, All in the Family. I mean, there's so many things. If you want to go down the woke path that we're – very satiric uh, and important, I think, in reflecting our culture and the changes it was going through that you'd love to be able to make today. But you probably couldn't. The, the good thing they're still available. We can watch them, you know. So, yeah. yeah. You know, but, I mean, when you talk about, like, you know, CR and Karthik were talking about movies and talking about yeah. the working man movies, and CR's right. There aren't that many movies geared towards the blue-collar worker anymore. It's very rare. It's they're kind of geared towards like the uh, the the in crowd, the people who get it. You know, you got to get the joke, you got to get it. You know, and uh, the coastal elites. And that I think the movie companies have learned from that. That combined with COVID and their failing box office and people not going to the movies anymore, they're now I think going to start making movies like Top Gun again. That really appear to the like, like see, I was saying to blue collar men. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a movie goer. I've got some favorites, and Groundhog Day is one of them. Let me just add, I saw Groundhog Day through a different lens. A man who was selfish, who was narcissistic, mm -hmm. who mm -hmm. uh, really didn't give a rat's ass about humanity, was you know jaded. Right. And um, and as you said, once he realized he can try and work the fact he was going through the same day over and over, he learned everything he could about her the day before, and then he'd try and work it, like you said. And then finally, what I, even his own life, where the, the thing I, I thought the most funny was how he he went through, like, the seven deadly sins almost in every possible way, you know? And, uh, right. And until he finally realized... You know, I'll put it in the Judeo-Christian context that it was the seven virtues that what life was really about. And once you right. realize that, it totally changed. I mean, but watch them spiral down through all the different okay. levels of like Dante's Inferno was okay. hysterical. Do you, you remember that, I mean? that you know? one scene in that movie in where I think he really starts to get it is when like that, that homeless guy is like dying, right? Right. And he's trying to like save his life. So in life, we talk about homelessness all the time. We walk by homeless people, right? We just walk by them. But what he has to do is constantly walk by him, right? Right. Over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. Then he finally starts to see him. You see? Yep. That is the thing about Groundhog Day, that over and over again, he finally, he's forced in a way to see as a person and not just a thing, right? Exactly. And And his humanity kicks in. It's like, it's, now I get it. You know, this is this this is a real person. 
This isn't just someone you 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 pass by on the street. And you're right, his normal personality at the beginning is like, oh, I can play Andy McDowell. Now I can right. pretend I know everything about her. And after a while, that falls flat. And he realizes that that's not the way. Right. You know, the way is just to be a human being, right? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you, you mentioned the homeless fella, a man. I mean, every homeless person was a child who didn't plan to be a homeless person. Think about it. You know, no child is born with red tights, tail, oh, and a of horn. Of course. Of course. Something happens. And yeah. sometimes it's severe child abuse, all the way down to the most deprived things you could think of, to uh, war veterans who end up, you know, homeless, abusing drugs. There's 22 veterans yeah. that commit suicide a day in this country. I mean, yeah. Um, so... We don't really know, there before the grace of God go I, you know, we don't know what demons, for, you know, trauma are driving that person to be homeless and use drugs, uh, whatever they've resorted to. So there's, you know, of course, uh, there needs to be something done. And uh, what that is, I mean, like you said, at least Trump put out an idea to make put out the discord, you know, one might not agree with setting up camps outside of town and temporary shelters, but it's better than what's being done now for sure. Yes. And, um, yes. Yes. So something has to happen. And, I well, think one of the, and, and one of the funniest things going back to groundhog day is, is the, he's staying at that like bed and breakfast. Right. And he's, and, and the woman who runs it is like, you know, these more of these cutesy, you know, corny, you know, small town women. And he doesn't like that. Right. <laughs> he kind of just gives it a cold shoulder, but she's always asking him, you know, are you checking out today? And at the beginning, he's like, there's a 100% chance of me leaving. And then it goes on. It's like, there's a 70% chance of me leaving. As he realizes he can't, he's not going to leave. <laughs> you know, I just thought it was hilarious, you know. And, uh, yeah. I don't remember. I'd have to review the movie. You know, I just remember the scene where he's, 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 he's like with a bunch of guys. He's gotten really drunk and he's driving down the street and he intentionally like, drive, like just, he reaches the point where he intentionally kills everybody in the car with him. <laughs> Do you remember that? Right, because like, he knows they were alive the next day. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I, you know, yeah. Just, um, that's the well, all, all the different, like it goes through all the different incarnations, all right. the effects that living the same day would have on somebody. Right. You know, it, it's, yeah. it goes from being a unique thing, then it becomes banal, then it yeah. becomes annoying. Right. And then finally he just like comes to like, maybe this is the Buddhist message. He just becomes, he, he, he accepts it. It's right. Yeah. yeah. He just decides to accept it. Make, notice, make the best of the situation. Right. right? Yeah. Curious. So it's, yeah, I thought it was a brilliant, one of the best scripts ever. Just really smartly written. Really. I concur. Now, that character you talk about, the character actor, that was the taller fellow with the glasses, the goofy guy. And, uh, yeah, you know, and he punches him. He keeps on punching. Pun <laughs> He's like, hey, and if I... <laughs> Ned Ryerson! <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, and he played like that horrible, like KKK leader yes. in Mississippi Burning. So it's like two so t totally different roles, you know. But just a, a great, a great uh, character actor. Yeah. Now I'm gonna say something in a little code here because I know it's a tough. It's, and we don't talk about it tonight or whenever or F ever. But 
there's a character actor who's played in movies and in uh, TV shows that happens to be very involved. Ooh, let me just say, how can I dance around this? In, in something that is really uh, affecting gun policy, freedom of speech, um, and um, uh, right to due process, etc. And I, I, I'm not going to talk about it right now because I want it's a light night tonight. But at some point, no, maybe we can. Talk, you know, you know, you want to talk about? It. No, 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 I, no, no, I, no. I, oh, here, yeah, I do want to play something. So I'll play it while you're with us. Here, talk about. I don't know if this is light or not. Did you did you hear this one today? Here, let me play it for you. It's very quick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. God save the queen, man. Did, did you hear that today? No. So he's giving a speech. <laughs> Biden's giving a speech in Connecticut. And he ends it with, okay, right, God save the queen, man. No way. <laughs> what the fuck is he talking about? Why would you say know. God save the Queen in Connecticut? He, he was he was in Corrupticut today, where I live. Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that, Groton at the at the neighborhood? Uh, I don't know. It's just he was in Connecticut. I don't know exactly. Oh, let me see. Maybe I'm not sure exactly where he was in Connecticut, but he doesn't know where he was. He, <laughs> he has no clue where he was. So the uh, hold on. I'm sorry, I got the, the RNC was putting this up. This has been like all over the place today. All over the place. Yeah. You know, God save the queen. I mean, I don't know. Who knows? Well, uh, perhaps he was at Groton Naval Base and he saw maybe one of the old Mayflower ships there or something that we're not aware of. <laughs> I have no know. idea. You know, I just think he doesn't know where he is half the time. There was an incident a few days ago, which was like, you know, Daniel has talked about what Alzheimer's patients, you know, where they just, maybe they'll take a walk somewhere and they forget exactly, they forget where they are. Sure. They get very nervous because they have no idea where they are. So he was on the stage, and all of a sudden you saw him, like, turn, and he, like, his hands, he got nervous. Like, where am I? And the Secret Service guy had to fetch him and say, oh, oh you're, this is where you are. Come this way. And he walked the other way. It was very scary. It looked like he just simply lost track of where he was. That's early onset dementia, especially when you get yeah. towards the end of the day, sundowner syndrome, right? I mean, and I don't know what time that speaks. How sad has it does it have to be for these Secret Service people? That's not their job to be like a, you know, like a, like a, a what do you call it, a nanny for this guy, for the president, you know? And it's like, it's got to be very disheartening for them. Well, I mean, all the more that shows it's the Council of Foreign Relations members, the Bilderberg members, the trilateral members, whoever's in the cabinet from the military-industrial complex, on and on and on, the, the banksters, the, they're, they're all embedded in the cabinets of every president, and that's who's running this, the show. I mean, let's be honest. The president's just a figurehead. If, if we can get some in there, maybe, you know, I was listening to RFK Jr. today speak at uh, the Hill interviewed him, mm-hmm. and we're actually, Rana. Go ahead, Mike. Do you want to play something? Or? No. I'm just, okay. It's this thing where you're on Twitter and yeah. you play a video and then you scroll down and it keeps playing every other video. I don't know oh, why it does that. You have to yeah. actually shut the, the, the volume off, the speaker off. It's, it's mm. ridiculous. But uh, no, right, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, Bill. Well, anyway, Brianna and the other younger fellow, well, not, I shouldn't say younger, the, the other host who I can't remember his name, he's a libertarian, 
are interviewing RFK Jr., but they're actually asking them questions and giving them all the time he needs to answer, you know? And, of course, you can imagine the responses they're getting. They're very in-depth and thorough. And what would he do if he were president, you know, if he were president when COVID came about? And, and uh, oh, all things, different things about foreign policy. It was really a great interview um, because you actually got to hear his platform and where he's coming from and things he wants to explore more before he can give some answers uh, thoroughly. Uh, he said, like, Tulsa Gabbard a lot regarding foreign policy. I was like, they would make a great a running pair, actually, I thought, you know, but just the fact that he pointed towards her and said he needs to explore it a lot more, but you know, it's a great asset to me in my way right. of thinking, you know. Yeah. So, um, so of course, we know where he stands on the vaccine and what was supposedly warp speed and where he's coming from on that. Um, and and I, I, the only reason I like him more than DeSantis at this point, because I haven't really explored DeSantis at any depth, is is I'm just concerned regarding I don't hear that message from DeSantis like he tells to Gabbard, which is where I'm at with foreign policy. We need to really, in my opinion, pull back and and, uh, and stop trying to, uh, well, let's face it, we're going to foreign countries for, not for God, but for gold, oil, drugs, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, so, and and it was uh, it was actually Kamala who said, you know, she let the secret out of the bag, you know, the, the unspoken, where she said, well, in the past, wars were about oil, and the future is going to be about water. So, you know, we know what drives wars, and and the idea that we're there to bring democracy is never true. We usually we're usually there to uh, overthrow anything. Uh, democratically elected by the populace in order to instill a government that's going to serve the needs of our transnational corporate uh, rulers, really, right. in my opinion. So anyway, so um, what I, I wanted to touch on, too, was uh, Brady mentioned anosotl cysteine to you last night, Matt, uh-huh. and I found an article on PubMed on it and how effective it is and what it's in the live chat, Mike, many different diseases that it's shown to be effective. Now, PubMed is the National Institute of Health Open Access Medical Journal, for those who don't know, that's peer-reviewed. So it's not like Wikipedia. It's actually peer-reviewed medical journal that anyone could go into by simply using PubMed and then whatever the keywords you want, you know, in your search, in your browser. So, you, you know, I just, I want to put that there so you can read more about it if you like and also... Uh, it's accessible. By the way, you can, you don't have to go to a smoke shop to get it, Mike. You go to any health food store or even any Amazon, Vitacost online vendors because it's non-prescription. You know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, interesting thing about that, though, it's shown to be antiviral and helping to uh, prevent clumping of red blood cells, which is important, of course, when you're talking a cytokine storm, right? But and reduce inflammation. That's another way it's affected. There's many actions. Do you know the FDA banned it in the middle of COVID? Something that's been up. Yes. Really? Without, yes, without an explanation. Because I Yes, because I had it and I was taking it because, you know, I have comorbidities, but I'm going the natural route. And I knew about it, so I was taking it. And I, about that, I went to reorder. I couldn't get it. I'm like, what's going on? No explanation whatsoever. And then at the end of what was considered the 
you know, the more virulent strains, once we get into later strains of Omicron, it's available again with not any explanation about it, Mike, one way or the other. It's as if anything that could possibly work, whether it was ivermectin, whether it was hydroxychloroquine or anacetylcysteine, they removed our access to. Yes. Interesting. That's exactly what happened because that's there's no explanation for that, and there's never been. You know, so, wow. Oh, I, I did want to, you know what? Yeah. Why, why don't I, I need to read this before I forget. Sure. This is something I discovered last night just after I had finished the show. Have you heard this, Bill? They want us to get a <coughs> polio vaccine again. This just oh. came out. This is, yeah. this, this is, this is stunning. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is urging travelers to practice enhanced precautions when going to places such as Canada, the United Kingdom, Madagascar, and Indonesia due to the circulating polio virus. The agency identified 30 countries where travelers are at risk of the disease in a recently updated advisory with a level two notice advising travelers to practice enhanced precautions. The virus was eradicated in the Western Hemisphere in 94, but exists in some polio endemic uh, countries and has been detected in other places uh, worldwide. So they put this list out. You see, it's a big list, but it includes Canada and the United Kingdom. Those are the two like major countries that it uh, includes. If a traveler is going to these destinations, the agency recommends children be up to date on their routine polio vaccines and adults who are fully updated also get a one-time inactivated polio vaccine booster. Listen to this now. You sitting down, Bill? I hope you're sitting down. Well, you may down. need to show proof of vaccination when departing these countries. Can you believe well, no. this? They're now talking about, so in other words, if you travel from the UK or Canada into the US, you now might need to show proof of polio vaccination to get back into the country. It takes four doses for children and three doses for adults to be vaccinated against polio in the US. Being fully vaccinated against polio is the best protection from the virus, the CDC says. Polio is a, listen to this now, it's a highly infectious and deadly disease that damages the nervous system in about 75% of cases. So after this article says, isn't it, I, I say shocking, but you know, it's not really shocking, but shocking in a normal, in a normal world. Isn't it shocking? They're still talking to Fauci and the CDC about anything. Yeah. But this yeah, is yeah. it. And, th and this article says polio is a highly infectious and deadly disease. And then it goes on to say right after that, in about three out of every four cases, there's no symptoms. <laughs> in the I other know. one of four, people can experience some headaches, fever, a little bit of nausea. It sounds like my daily life and, uh, and more about you know, three to six days after exposure. In very rare instances, people can become paralyzed. So, in other words, there's a near zero chance in the year 2023 that you're going to get paralyzed from polio. The overwhelming majority of the cases, people don't even know they have anything. And in a few of the cases, a little bit of a headache for a few days. Now, how shocking is this? That once again, this is like the same COVID playbook where 99.999% of the people will have no problem with it. But no, get your boosters and you better show your passport to get back into the country. And you have assholes like these, these, these news organizations are actually going to Tony Fauci. This article 
on MSN has a video embedded of Tony Fauci talking about this. It's it's absolutely shocking to me. It really is. Let me let me give you some beings of light here to drop into that darkness. Okay. First of all, this is all part. Remember, we talked about catastrophic contagion. The the uh, in Brussels, the players, the same players. When I say the players, I mean NIH, John Hopkins University, World Health Organization, you know, UN. They all met in Brussels, and they, you know, they they put together just like Event Two Hundred One, so a couple of months before COVID. This, you know, future pandemic. Uh, uh, tabletop exercise with potential uh, uh, viruses and they came up with different scenarios, yada, yada, yada. Okay. One of them is what was supposed to be severe epidemic and terror virus respiratory syndrome. Remember, severe epidemic, two big scary words related to the polio virus, right? That would give children brain damage and paralysis. Okay. Right. 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 Now, there's, I just put a link in the chat, right? And let's, I highly recommend, Mike, there's a short, okay, short thing to read here. This is from 2010. This is PubMed. Check this out. It, it took me a minute to read this. Zinc, well, ZN2 plus is zinc, inhibits coronavirus and arterivirus, RNA, Sorry, go ahead, Bill. Sorry. All right, yeah, that sounds like that sounds yeah. like RFK Jr. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna come on in a minute. I'll play this for you in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Oh, these videos are annoying me today. I can't stop them. Go ahead, Bill. Sorry. Okay. So the bottom line is. Okay, increase, here's the abstract. Increasing the intracellular zinc, ZN2 plus concentration with zinc ionophores, and I can tell you the natural zinc ionophores you can buy over the counter are quercetin, mm-hmm. uh, turmeric, black okay. seed, mm-hmm. green tea extract, right? Can efficiently appear the replication of a variety of RNA viruses, including polio virus, Mike, polio, bing, 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 bing. Influenza and influenza, and, and including COVID, this they had this dialed down in 2010. This is about SARS-CoV-1 and these other viruses. Now, zinc, if you take it alone, floats around your bloodstream. It, it's, it doesn't get into the intercellular uh, uh, spaces, and the ionophore positively charges it and gets it. Don't ask me how God does this. Gets it inside the cell through the receptor where that's where it thwarts viral replication. So they knew this in 2010. They could have told us all about this at the beginning of COVID and not, no one had to worry about a damn thing. They didn't. And this is in the NIH library. Think about that for a second, right? I mean, the impact of that, Mike, everything could have been avoided. They knew what would work, and they know what's going to work for the new Sears if it, if they play it out, like Fauci said, in 2024, it's going to be another virus. It's going to be more deadly. He's already told us by the end of 2024 because they plan it already. It's, yeah. it's all about the totalitarian two-step, about the great reset, grab and control. This is the old world order rebranded as a new world order that Bush one was talking about. It's about the one world government that the Bilderberg Group, been talking about for decades and decades. 
this Council of Foreign Relations, the Trilateral Commission, they've all been talking about this new world, one world order, Mike. And so it's just, they rebranded, they put lipstick on the pig, now we got the World Economic Forum and blah, 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 and the UN, and they're all working together, and this is what's happening. So here's a perfect example of how they, they knew they had the magic bullet, they wouldn't tell us about it, and... You know, and plus we learned the infection fatality rate ended up being minuscule anyway. But of course they lied to it about all that. And so when they come out with this next scary one, people, I'm not your doctor, but you're probably not going to hear this from your doctor because he's not being told that. And plus he knows that if he starts talking another narrative, uh, he can get blackballed. You know what I mean? Look what happened to Dr. Peter McCullough. Look what happened to, you know, Dr. Simone Gold, the uh, uh, frontline COVID critical care doctors. Paul Merrick lost his hospital privileges. Peter McCullough got sued by Texas A&M Baylor. All these people we're talking about repurposing therapeutics that were known to be effective because hydroxychloroquine in 2005 PubMed is effective and safe in the form of chloroquine course versus COVID, 2005, Mike, they knew hydroxy worked, or chloroquine, hydroxychloroquine is another derivative of that that's even got a safer toxicity profile. So, Mike, they, they, they shoved it so far up our rear ends, every which way they could to move this great reset, new world order, shut down 50% of small businesses forever. Uh, some say it, somewhere between, a, and, and uh, RFK Jr. mentioned this, somewhere between a foreign Four trillion dollar additional wealth transferred up. A billionaire was made every day during COVID. He said, "Can you imagine that?" It's amazing, of course. Right, and look what happened to the masses. They crush us every time they put the. You know, whether it's now, to keep in mind, it came from bipartisan right and left wingers because the establishment, because you know, <laughs> warp speed. Dr. David Martin, who's a patent expert in patents, and that's his job, testified in front of the European Parliament, I'm going to say within the last two weeks, he pulled out all the patents on how from 1990 on they had RNA, spike protein, vaccine that was being used in rabbit farms and puppy mills. It wasn't working, but that technology was patented. And then they just upgraded the patents as they got you know, along the way, and they did indeed enact the gain-of-function research. It started at uh, Chapel Hill. I think it was uh, uh, Obama who uh, put an end to gain-of-function research at that biolab, right. right? And then they eco-aligned, they backdoored the to Wuhan. So this was a direct involvement of NIH, NIAID, Fauci. Well, let me play this RFK Jr. clip because it plays yeah, into please. what you're saying. And this is where yeah. he's talking about how Fauci had zero proof that the vaccines were yes. safe. Here, here, here he is, RFK. This is on uh, Joe Rogan. And I said, can you show me one vaccine that has been subject to a safe test? Show me one study that shows that. And he made it the show of looking through a red well. They had brought in from NIH this big tray full of file folders, and he made a show of kind of looking through that at the time, but he couldn't find whatever he was looking for. So then he said, it's back at NIH in Bethesda, and I'll send it to you. Well, he never did. 
So Aaron and I sued him, sued HHS, and, and said, show us one study that's ever been done on, you know, pre-licensing safety testing for vaccines. And after a year of stonewalling, they finally gave us a letter and said, we don't have any. So they, don't, they literally don't have any. So nobody knows what the risk profile for these products are. So they're telling people they, they, they avert more harms than they saw and then they cause. But there's no science behind that statement. It's just a... Yeah, so you see, that's basically, and what's interesting about that is not just that he um, didn't have any proof, but he pretended like he had it, Bill, as RFK was saying. He's going through papers like, oh, it's here somewhere, knowing damn well there was no proof that the vaccines were proven safe. So the guy is just a true scumbag. And look at what has to happen for him to get the real information, the RFK had to sue them. The Child Children Defense Fund had to sue them right. to get the real information, which was that there was no information that proved that the vaccines were ever, ever, ever proven uh, safe through any kind of a trial. So it's it's incredible. And then, obviously, and, and RFK knows this, it's all about making money for Big Pharma. That's it. Yeah. And now they're doing it again with the polio thing. Every chance they have to say boo, people should get boosters, to make people get boosters, to to pump up the profits of Big Pharma, they do it. Because they know there's a section of society. It's probably not the majority, but there's a section of society that will go. If they go into the UK or Canada, they're going to get a polio booster. How stupid. How idiotic is that, really? Get your COVID booster. Get your polio booster going to Canada. I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah, well, the, keep in mind, it's driven by fear. And there's certain people that um, believe that uh, the FDA and Fauci and co. have the best interests in mind. They, they neglect to accept the fact that it's all captured, corporate captured. And, uh, as, and of course, what do they do? They take RFK Jr. and they, they smear him and the mainstream media. So it just depends on where people are getting their media. And then they're going to build, and that's proven wherever they get their meters, where their belief systems come from. So, um, fortunately, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what else to say. There's a big movement with the the uh, independent media, but you know, I want to say something. And, I, and again, I'm, I'm another night. I like to talk more about this. But the Alex mm-hmm. Jones case, right? Mm-hmm. Those attorneys made it very clear the whole agenda was to crush him and independent media. That's the message. And who else has said that? Mama Bear, right? Or take yes. any establishment, Republican or Democrat, establishment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They've all been on board because if you follow the money, who donates the money to their campaigns and where they make their stock trades, it's all big pharma. Yep. Well, not all, but a lot of big pharma, a military industrial complex. That's why we can't. Get any changes on either of those things? You know, for example, the oil gas industry, same thing. You know, typical blue chip stocks. You know, and they know ahead of time because they go into these committee meetings and they get the reports. But but oh, it, 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 you know what, Mike? It's just my husband had a stock analyst who made the stock trades, and had, he didn't hear it from me, Nancy right. Pelosi. You know, what the bullshit? Who could believe that? I mean, come on. I mean, not that we can get anything done to change it. Um, but anyway, so um, I did put a little 
of, of the uh, text from the uh, PubMed article. For anyone who's interested who watches this room later, if you want to see the resources, there's a corroborating links, and then there's the explanatory text from that, and and the N-acetylcysteine, which I just piggybacked them at the top. You'll find the links in the bottom. Let me, Mike, if you, I have another minute or two, if you have the time you'd like, I, I can go into the uh, couple other things I put in the live chat regarding um, ivermectin, right? Do you know that ivermectin, I, have, I found an article in PubMed, it's affected first a multitude of cancers because we were talking about colon cancer the other night, remember? But there's many other cancers from brain cancer to breast cancer. There's a whole list of cancers. And this is PubMed, the NIH library. You know why you're not going to hear that? You're not going to see any studies funded to, to ch check it for all that despite the anecdotal evidence from, from clinical reports is because it's generic. And they're not going to make big money off it if they but show they, you that. Exactly. Yeah. It's the money profile. The, it's all the, about the higher the money profile is, the more they push that. If it's a low profile, they want people not to take it, right? So that's right. what it comes down to. It all comes down to money. It all it, comes down to money. It's tragic. And, people yeah. are dying of cancer. And what do they do? Rather than give them ivermectin, which, by the way, is the safest drug ever produced, safer than aspirin. It's got the lowest toxicity risk profile of any drug ever made. It's from soil bacteria. Mm -hmm. Rather than give people that, they give them chemo, you know, radiation, start cutting on them. What if people got, you know, whatever doses of ivermectin are found to be effective uh, uh, right off the bat, as soon as they were diagnosed, in conjunction maybe with some more aggressive treatments if needed. But no. I mean, this is tragic. It's absolutely tragic. And it should be a crime against humanity to withhold this information from people. Right. In my opinion. You know, it is. It's, it's a crime. Crimes against um, humanity lately. Between this and the, the ventilators and all that, you know. Oh, they'll, God. They'll get me into the ventilators again. But it's just, you know, it, these are all crimes. And like I said... Yeah, the longer this goes on, where these people aren't, their feet aren't held to the fire, and they're not prosecuted for these things, there isn't aren't right. criminal charges. They're just emboldened to do it again. Well, of course, you get people lying before Congress. Even Christopher Ray, the head of the FBI, and the whistleblowers got, got come out, and we hear about all that and the the recent federal overreach congressional House congressional hearings. Chris, Christopher Ray is never going to be charged with treason for lying before Congress. That'll never happen. You see what I mean? So no. these committee hearings help us kind of pull the veil back a little bit. But does it really change anything? Questionable. I don't know, Mike, but uh, all of the hearings that Ron Johnson was having out of Wisconsin that got buried or, or, or Ron DeSantis on and Joseph Latipo, all that they held and then as soon as within a 24 hours pulled off YouTube, you know what I mean? And yep. then unless you use an alternative browser like me, Yandex, you can't even find it, you know? So, um, unless you know somewhere else to go, that's what I use. I got to use a Russian browser to find things about Ron Johnson, his tabletop, you know, or Ron DeSantis. It's true. That's what Yandex is. It's a Russian browser. I found it in the plate store. That's yeah. incredible. Well, keep in mind, Right? Christopher Hedges. Where was he? At RT, RT America, right? Russian. Yep. All right. Why? Because as a Pulitzer Prize winning author, I'm a, 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 a reporter for the New York Times. He told the truth about Iraq. Then he ended up, in a, he ended up to keep bringing, keep bringing his message about, you know, 
uh, it's very well tour in America. In other words, it's all about corporatism, ruining the United States and outsourcing, of course, and leaving behind the sacrifice zones. You and I know that. And, but, you know, can tell, you know, gotta go over to RT to host his own show. Rick Sanchez, remember him, right? Why? He talked about basically, um, what's known as, uh, uh, Zionism and how, you know, how it's, uh, 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 our Congress is basically ruled by, uh, uh, what is it? I'm trying to recall it. Uh, AF, something PAC. Um, is it APAC? What's it called again? With APAC. The Jewish? Yeah, APAC. APAC. Yeah, APAC. Uh-huh. Yeah, so, so Rick Sanchez, who was, uh, one of the big three, I can't remember which channel he was with, he, he talked about that. No, nope. he had to end up at RT. Larry King ended up at RT. You know Larry King, right? Sure. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Jesse Ventura ended up at RT. And uh, there was a great satirist, uh, Lee Camp. Oh, very yeah, cutting. You know, I was just at the tip of my tongue, Lee Camp. I actually saw Lee Camp uh, live many years oh, ago. Yeah. Several years ago in uh, in San Francisco. Yep. I like him. I think he's funny. He's on the edge like, uh, like George well, Carlin. It was, the, it was the funniest thing. I mean, so we go see Lee Camp in Chinatown. Oh. At the uh-huh. uh, uh, this great theater in Chinatown, old theater, and it's just he didn't know this when they booked the event. It was the night of the Chinese New Year celebration, so oh, wow. there are fireworks going off constantly right outside the theater as he's performing. This poor guy. And he was funny the way he played it, you know, he played into it and all that. But he's like, every time he was talking, a huge blast, a firework would go off Mm -hmm. and it would kill the punchline, you know. And it was just (laughs) like, it was like he could not believe that he got the, you know, he he got this venue right on the night of, Mm -hmm. of the Chinese New Year. So I'll never forget that. And because of that, I'm sure Lee Camp would never forget it. But he had a huge crowd in San Francisco. This was probably a couple of years before COVID, maybe 2018, you know. And, uh, he had a huge crowd, you know, because he was also he was also pretty much a Bernie supporter, wasn't he? Yeah, he liked Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So a lot of Bernie supporters, you know, liked Lee Camp, you know. And you're right, he was also on RT, wasn't he? Yes, yes, it redacted tonight. Yeah, right, exactly. It, it, funny and hard-hitting, right to the point, cut right through it. And he had a couple other character uh, reporters who would come in. I thought it was great. I'm really disappointed that that... You know, and come on, what, what for another imperialistic, uh, uh, covert, uh, uh, war, uh, Joe Biden, Burisma's war, or, or the Biolab war, or whatever the hell brought us into that, uh, NATO expansion, uh, you know, on, 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 totally unnecessary. Should have been, there's no reason, uh, well, they had the Minsk Accords, uh, for eight years that the peace treaty, that, uh, uh, who was it? Angelo Markle and Poroshenko finally come out and said they had no intention of abiding to, by that. They just used it as eight years to build up the Ukraine military and weapons. You know, well, that's yeah, a yeah. good reason to a peace treaty. You're, like, we're trying to make it work. You know, so anyway. But, um, speaking of crimes against humanity, Daniel Ellsberg. I was just going to mention him. Ellsberg died. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, uh, he died RFK of- actually put out something about that, saying, you know, the guy had a lot of balls for doing what he did with the Pentagon Papers, you know. And, uh, yeah, that's another crazy period of time. 
Yeah, well, that's that's emblematic of what's been happening. Think about every war. Like I always said, I'm born in 1960. Our government's lied into every war that I've been alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So why would we think Ukraine's any different? I mean, if you had a, someone you knew who was a pathological liar that was a politician, why would you trust them this time? I don't understand why people got all sucked in by that whole propaganda. Exactly. Yeah, that, but, you know, that a few, uh, 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 all the president's men, another great movie, yeah. right, about that period yeah. of time, Watergate. Um, that was a great film. And, you know, that's I talk about all the president's men a lot because remember the days of journalism, Bill? Yeah. Bill journalism? Yeah. <laughs> You could never, you wouldn't even have journalists. Journalists nowadays wouldn't have the ability to do what those guys did. Well, two things about this. If you think about um, the journalists who came out, uh, famous journalists, Watergate journalists who talked about originally about the blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline, they blackballed them. With yeah. all this history and all this expertise in journalism, all the awards, nope, if it has to do with Nord Stream and Anything about the Ukraine, you're a Russian apologist, you know, the Russian yeah. blew up their own pipeline. I mean, what I a know. bunch of freaking nonsense. Hey, Bill, let me let you go. I'm going to do two quick stories and then wrap up for the week. Okay. Very Thanks, good. Bill. Thanks. I appreciate Thanks. it. We'll see you next you're week. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, so here, I want to play Ron DeSantis because we were just talking about, you know, comparing maybe RFK Jr., Ron DeSantis, but here's something you can compare them on. And this is RFK Jr. said this about a month ago. He said, you cannot suspend the Constitution. doesn't matter. doesn't matter if it's a real plague, a fake plague. If everyone's dying, you don't suspend the Constitution. So here's Ron DeSantis talking about something similar. Christian standpoint. Uh, a lot of people call us a Christian nation. They don't mean it from a standpoint of everybody has to be believers of Christ. Obviously, that's not what they're talking about. But that this country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. How do you see that in terms of infusing that into public policy? Of, co of course it was. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, you know, th this society, uh, United States of America, you know, was built on the foundation, you know, of what happened thousands of years ago um, in the Holy Land. And I think the Judeo-Christian values under everything that the founding fathers did some of it you know was just so embedded they didn't even need to think about it of course you know those are the values uh, that you had and I Sorry, this is I think that's one really of the good. reasons why in the First Amendment uh, they have the free, free exercise of religion and making sure that, that people had the ability uh, to believe as they wanted to. Because, of course, in the old world, that wasn't always the case. It was, you know, you're prescribed to be this particular denomination. And they really understood that uh, people had the right to be able uh, to believe as they want. And I'll tell you, uh, you know, you had more flourishing of religion in America as a result uh, of having uh, that religious freedom protected. So we need more God in society today. No, absolutely. I mean, look, at the end of the day, uh, there's certain problems, economic problems, there's there's problems at the border. There's all very important. Uh, but, you know, why are we here? Why are we free people? We're free because God has endowed us with inalienable rights. That's why America was founded. Our Constitution was created not to give us rights, but to protect the rights that God has already bestowed upon us. And that's just, I think that was the founder's central... Sorry, once again, a little bit of issue with the uh, with the Wi-Fi here. But, um, you know, we can see his basic, what he's saying is basically that we have these rights, uh, inalienable rights, 
and they were given to us not by people. Some people that that's what some people think. Like the founding fathers gave us these rights. That's not what happened. It really isn't. You don't have to be a religious person. I'm not a religious person to understand these are inalienable rights that were given to us by some greater entity. DeSantis will say God. That's fine, but it's a greater entity that gave us these rights. It wasn't. It's not like a bunch of guys in a room that said, "Now you have. Now humans have these rights." But they were protecting those rights with the Constitution that were already there, right? That could, they can't be taken away from us. And that's what um, RFK Jr. was saying, basically. RFK Jr. probably won't give Insight, me. Oh, sorry. Because before me. them, it was thought. Right. Well, this is, but anyway, that's basically what he was saying, you know. Um, and so there's a, once again, it doesn't matter which angle you come at from is it God-given rights or whatever it may be, but that the Constitution was written and to protect these rights, and you cannot suspend those rights, okay, no matter what. And that's what RFK Jr. was talking about. I think that's what Ron DeSantis is talking about, and that's why the two of them really agree on all the COVID mandates and stuff that, that um, affected our liberties and our rights. And that that cannot happen. You can't say because of an emergency. I'm a, I'm a, I'm governor. You know, I'm the slick hair Joe King of California governor. I'm saying we're an emergency, so you have no more rights. Not the way it works. He might think that's the way it works, but it's not the way it works. That Constitution was written to protect us from dictators, from authoritarian dictators like Gavin Newsom. That's why it was written. The man should not even be able, shouldn't be, shouldn't have the ability to run for president, should have the right to run for president because of what he did. So many people did that during the COVID years, proved that they have no right to be leaders. They have no right to have power over other people. You should be disqualified. It should be disqualifying. Anyone that participated in that, it should be disqualifying. So I think, I really think there are a lot more similarities between RFK Jr. and Ron DeSantis than differences. I really do. Um, DeSantis talks about the border, and RFK Jr. went to the border and saw all the problems that Ron DeSantis or the Republicans talk about that Democrats deny, right? They agree on the, uh, the, the Constitution. They agree on our rights. They agree on COVID mandates. They even agree, I'm sure, to many extent, the, the vaccines. So there's a lot there that, you know, I mean, there might be some, there's some social stuff. There's probably some economic differences between a, a guy who grew up within the Democratic Party and a guy who grew up as a Republican. But I think there are a lot, especially these days, there are a lot more similarities between the two and differences, which is why. Wouldn't it be so fascinating? Wouldn't it be so fascinating to see debates between the two of them? I mean, that would be so fascinating because we want to know the differences, Right. What are the differences? We live in a country where you we kind of don't deserve these people, and that's the shame. Um, one final thing. Greg Abbott signed a new law mandating armed security at all Texas schools. Security at your child's school will look different this upcoming uh, school year. During a meeting at the Capitol, Abbott signed HB3 into law mandating all public schools to have at least one armed security officer or armed school personnel at each public school campus statewide. 
According to the Intercultural Development Research Center, the price tag to pay for an armed guard for an entire school year could cost up to 100 grand. I'm glad my tax money is going towards that. I support it, a San Antonio resident said. The new law would allot $330 million, $330 million to build security centers on campuses. Legislators in Austin claim this new law will strengthen the school's school safety center, responsible for disseminating safety information to all schools. The law will also mandate annual audits of school protocol and require staff members to get mental health training. We have to provide the support systems to our personnel working in our communities. Some people believe adding armed personnel to campuses would increase protection. I think if we have the good guys armed, I think it would minimize deaths. Of course, others disagree. I hope there are other measures to address this problem. This is not the isolated solution. Uh, as concerns grow, some people are wondering whether some schools have to dip into their own locally generated revenue to keep the burden of funding additional salary from falling on schools and local taxpayers. I agree with that taxpayer. I'd rather have my money going towards this stuff than Ukraine and other crap. So while Texas, while Greg Abbott in Texas, they're coming up with really common sense laws to protect children, put armed guards, put a deterrent. Imagine that, a security guard, an armed guard being a deterrent. Who would have thunk it, right? At every school, right? A, a, a common sense meat and potato solution that we can put into place today instead of just debating gun laws for the rest of our lives when nothing happens. Uh, this is a, a, a real thing here. So while they're doing that in Texas, in California, they're trying to put laws into effect from from uh, psychos like Scott Wiener who want to put laws into effect where they'll take children away from their parents if they don't allow their eight-year-old to get uh, mutilated. So you see the differences between the two places, right? I mean, it couldn't be more stark. The differences between New York, California, and then let's say Texas and Florida are so stark. It's two different worlds, right? It's two. This is why people are leaving. It's not like there are more things that are similar. They're not. There are more differences there than similarities in those states. And people want to live in, in, their, in their world where they're comfortable, right? So people in California and New York are saying, we're not comfortable in this reality anymore. We're not. We want to go to Texas. We want to go to Florida where they do real common sense things like this that we agree with. Protect the children. So in Texas, they're protecting the children. In California, they're mutilating the children. In California, they're allowing and encouraging mutilation of children. Where in Texas, they're trying to keep children alive in a very violent atmosphere, a very violent country. No one's denying that. That's why they're doing stuff like this. A very violent time. Stark, stark, stark differences. All right. I think we've uh, covered a lot today. I think we had some fun. We talked about movies. We talked about, you know, uh, COVID. We talked about RFK. We talked about DeSantis. A lot of stuff. Um, it was a great week. Um, I will see you guys next week. Uh, of course, the weekend I will be off. I want everyone to have a good time. Enjoy it. I hope the weather's getting warm where you are, and I hope you can go out and enjoy life. Uh, don't just stick to social media all weekend. Get out there and do something. Do something. Enjoy it. All right. Uh, the name of the show is And Let's Be Heard. And I'm Mike Achopoli. And until we meet again, I want to remind you that your influence counts. Use it.